can you succeed in raising your children to have unshakable faith in Jesus Christ, especially when the odds seem to be stacked so high against you? Our children are bombarded with images and messages every day that contradict the teachings of Jesus. And as parents, it's easy for us to feel outmanned and outgunned in our battle to shape their hearts and minds into committed followers of Christ. But the victory is ours for the taking. God has given us everything we need to equip our children for the life He's called them to. So join us today as we engage in the crucial conversations that will help you discover and apply the tools you need to raise your kids with unshakable faith in Jesus. And now, welcome to Unshakable Faith. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Steve Hubler, president of Legacy Family Ministries. And I'm Melissa Hubler. And we are your hosts for Unshakable Faith. We're going to invest the next half hour into equipping you with the tools that you need to empower your kids to follow Jesus no matter what. I want to extend a very warm welcome to you, whether you're joining us live or through our podcast, and I invite you to stay with us for the next half hour as we reveal the most important thing that you can do to help your kids get the big decisions they have to make in life right, and ideally to get them right every time. Of course, you'll be able to apply what we talk about here today to your own decision-making as well, but our primary focus will be on the one thing that you just can't get wrong if you want to help your kids make the right decisions in those great big life-changing choices that they will most certainly face as they grow to maturity. And we'll talk about some very practical steps that you can take on how to actually walk this out in your own home. Now, to help us do this, we have Amy Sun in the studio with us today again. Amy is our Director of Women's Mentorship and our Child Discipleship Specialist here at Legacy Family Ministries. So welcome, Amy. Hi, it's good to be here. It's good to have you. Well, before we get started today, I want to let you know that we at Legacy Family Ministries want parents to be equipped with the resources at your fingertips so that you can develop an unshakable faith in your kids. We have a resource library that is stocked full of free tools for you. We have videos on tough topics, blogs, podcasts, newsletters, and downloadable resources, and we add resources every week. The easiest way for you to access all of this is at our website, which is www.legacyfamilyministries.com, or you can text resource to 602-TRUST-14, where you can get links to our downloadable resources and sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's 602-TRUST-14 and text RESOURCE. Thanks, Melissa. You're welcome. Well, I made a pretty bold claim in my opening comments. You seem to do that a lot. I Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I almost went back and changed it, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. But just because I know I did that... Um, Allow me to take just a few moments here and set the table for our conversation. You see, I'm convinced that every single mom and every single dad that is listening today loves your kids beyond measure. I would agree with that. I know I do. It's kind of a a given. Mm -hmm. And because you love them so much, you have definitely felt from time to time that crushing concern about whether or not they will make the right choice when they face those big decisions that's going to have a huge impact in shaping the rest of their life. Just to give you an idea of the kinds of choices I'm talking about, they're going to face questions like, will they choose to follow Jesus 
or will they follow the way of the world? Will they choose to be a man or woman of integrity, even if it costs them something? Or will they just sacrifice it for the sake of convenience and personal gain? Or acceptance by their peers. Right, because that definitely plays a part. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, big questions like, you know, when you look at your kids and you ask, you know, is my son or will my precious daughter choose to remain sexually pure until marriage? Or will they cross that bridge prematurely, risking heartbreak, sexually transmitted diseases, and unexpected pregnancy? Questions like, will my child say no to drugs? Or will they give in to peer pressure and risk accident, addiction, or even, God forbid, death? You see, there are some decisions that our kids are going to face that they just have to get right if they want to avoid experiencing big detours from God's best for them, or maybe even having their life derailed altogether. Now, it's true that we can't make these decisions for them. After all, our kids have free will. It's the way God created them. And it is true that even if we as parents do everything right, there's still no guarantees that they're going to choose well. I wish there were. I really, really wish there was. But there isn't. But there is something that we can do to help them to be prepared to make the right choices when that time comes. But before I tell you what it is, I want to get one more thing on the table here just to set the context. I want to talk a little bit about some of the basics of how decisions are made most of the time. Now, I just laid out some examples of those big decisions. I think knowing that's going to help us and knowing a little bit about how these decisions are made most of the time is going to help us appreciate why what I'm going to share with you or what we're going to share with you is so important. So let's just take a couple minutes and unpack the basics of how decisions are made. And then I'll reveal one of the most important things you and I can do as parents to help ensure that they make the right ones. Yeah, and I just want to, these are tough questions. Um, I know I've wrestled with them. You guys have. But fortunately, we serve a God who is so much bigger than us and uh, who loves our kids more than we do. Mm-hmm. So there's hope in this. As we go into these questions, there's hope. There absolutely is. And the fact that God loves my kids more than I do, that brings so much comfort because I know that I love my kids to the point where I will just weep over bad decisions they're making. If I feel that way, think how much more God cares about them and how much he wants them to be down the right path. Yeah, yeah, on their side. His love for them is a perfect love. Mm-hmm. So every single decision that we make, whether it's us or our kids, this applies to all of us. Every decision that we make is made through what I'm just going to refer to as a decision-making grid, or it's this kind of filter that is built up in us over time. And that grid or that filter is, it operates kind of like the nose on our face. We know we have it. We use it every day to function in life. In the case of our nose, it's for breathing in and out. But we don't really pay any attention to it. We don't get up thinking about our nose. We don't think about our nose as we're walking around through the day, talking to people and doing our work. We don't look at it. As a matter of fact, we actually have to strain to see it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of us more than others. You never know. <laughs> but it, our nose functions like an invisible partner, and that's the point I'm trying to make here. This decision-making grid that we have, this filter in us, works the same way. It's like this invisible partner there. And that grid or that filter is made up of four basic things. I'm sure there's other writers and authors and stuff that have, have, have laid this out differently, but here's the way that, that I see it. This is the easiest way I've come across to remember it. Four things. There's a basic set of beliefs. There's a belief system that we have that's operating in the background. 
not so much in the conscious thoughts and all that, but we have a basic set of beliefs we carry around with us. We carry around memories of past experiences, good ones and bad ones. We have the present emotions that are with us in the decision-making moment. Maybe they're, maybe they're powerful, maybe they're in the background, but the emotions are there. And then there's our reasoning capability. Hopefully we have one of these, otherwise it's going to be a difficult life, right? We have our reasoning capabilities where we evaluate alternatives, we look at pros and cons, we think of future impact. If I do this, how is it going to affect that? This person, that person, future choices, future opportunities, the whole ball of wax. Now, so those are the four. Belief system, memories, emotions, and reasoning. The most influential part of that decision-making grid is the belief system. Now, this is what we refer to as a worldview. It's the collection of ideas, the collection of things that we believe to be true about essential parts of our world, like God, the world we live in, and humankind. It's the basic beliefs about the world that help us make sense of the place that we live and then how we should operate in it. So mm-hmm. those the, that's kind of what the, the, the grid is made out of. So every decision I make, even if it's should I change lanes, if I'm kind of close to this other car, is going to be impacted by that. Because if my belief system says I should be conscientious, I should put other people before myself, then I'm probably not going to scooch in. But if I become a selfish person because I think the universe centers around me, so on and so forth, I'm going to push my way in. Which we see happening all the time around us. <laughs> it happened to me on the way down here. <laughs> for, for the moms and dads out there who have little ones, um, the decisions that your little kids are making are a little bit different than the parents of older kids. And if you happen to have both older ones and little ones, I'm sure you see this at play every single day. For our itty-bitty ones, their decisions that they make might be about, um, do I make my bed? Do I put away my toys? Do I eat my vegetables? Basically, do I do what I'm told? Uh, The big underlying question is, do I obey? And um, for some kids, that's really, really easy. They have a hunger inside of them to obey. And for other kids, it's a lot harder where they push against that a lot and they don't really want to obey. And and it takes a little bit more firmness from parents to get to them to the point of obedience. But as your kids get older, really the big underlying question stays the same, but the consequences are vastly different. The questions change once your kids get into high school, especially. Do I drink when I go to that party? Uh, Do I drive after I drink? Do I stay sexually pure? Do I give into peer pressure so that I can fit in? The questions have long-term consequences that don't just now affect my relationship between child and parent, but now those consequences go far beyond that. It affects siblings. It affects your friends. It affects the world around you. You know, when you're driving in your car and you're speeding, if you hit somebody, it not only affects the person that you hit, but it affects their family. So having... um, a, a firm foundation in your kids from the time they're little on really helps them to be making better decisions the older that they get. Mm-hmm. I talked to my son about this. I like to talk to my kids about these questions. We're going to talk on the radio and kind of get their insight in advance. Um, and they're, you know, human. They make mistakes. But um, he had a really interesting insight. He's 16. And I said, uh, so tell me about, you know, you seem to make some good decisions. So how how do you make those decisions between right and wrong? And he said his filter, kind of this filter you're talking about, is the word respect. So he thinks through things in advance of, is it going to show respect to the people around me? How is it going to affect them um, with good or bad? And I thought that was interesting because even like driving down the road with your analogy with that of respecting the people in the cars around him, not just himself that he is number one, but looking outside of himself and seeing other people as God's creation and showing respect to them 
and so his decisions impact that. Yeah. Building that filter is absolutely essential. Well, yeah. And respect removes a layer of selfishness. Mm -hmm. I think at the core, we are very selfish people. And so when you learn to filter things through that that grid of respect for those around you, that's really important things for teenagers. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you are listening to Unshakable Faith. We're here with Melissa Hubler and Amy Sun, and we are talking about helping your kids get the big decisions in life right. Now, we have a free resource for you that may help you in this journey. Go ahead and text the word RESOURCE to 602, the word TRUTH, and the number 14. You'll get our free resource on biblical worldview. That's building in the... Uh, it's not the, truth. I typed that in wrong. I apologize, Steve. It oh, is trust. trust 14, not truth. 602, trust 14. Yeah. Yeah. Strike, strike what I said. <laughs> <laughs> if you need numbers, it's 8787814. 602, trust 14. Yeah. And if you do that, you will get our resource on biblical worldview. It's a tool that you can use to build that grid up into your kids. Now, remember, it's 602, trust 14. Thank you. Just remember, you're learning to trust the Lord. (laughs) Well, so now that we've visited kind of this short list of the big decisions that our kids are going to have to make as they're growing to maturity, the ones that are really going to impact the course of their lives in a major way, let's go ahead and reveal that one most important thing that you can do for them as a parent to help them make the right choice in these decisions and ideally, hopefully, so that they can start to get it right every time. So here it is. You and I, as parents, must clearly and intentionally model godly decision-making to our kids. It's not that we don't teach it to them as well, but we have to be modeling it. I think that is step one. See, the way that they observe you and I making our decisions is going to shape the approach that they use in making their decisions. And, of course, since our belief system or our worldview is the most influential part of our decision-making grid or the decision-making filter that we use, this begs the question— what is your worldview? I mean, really, when you, when you get down, when nobody's looking, brass tacks, what is your worldview? I'm not asking what we say it is or what we tell our pastor when he asks us from the pulpit if we have a biblical worldview. I'm asking what are really the beliefs that you hold deep down in your heart that actually serve to drive your decision making and provide the example that your kids are seeing? Right, because the outcome, what you're actually doing, is a better reflection of what your worldview is than what you might say that it is. True. A lot of times we say one thing, but we do another. So our actions are actually a better representative of what we truly believe. Yeah. And I think just to be fair, a lot of times I think we think we believe things that are better than what we actually believe. I know I've caught myself doing that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And what it really boils down to is, do you rely on the Bible to be your ultimate source of wisdom and guidance? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that the Bible is written by God? Do you believe that it relates to everything that you do or you learn? Um, What is your perception of the Bible? And then how do you apply it into your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of these things like, uh, and once again, as far as like catching myself, between what I say I believe and what I actually believe, what drives my behavior, one of the questions that comes up is, do I really believe that God's Word has the authority to say no to something that I think I want, Mm -hmm. or yes to something that I think I don't want? Or do I just kind of look at His Word and weigh it against the wisdom of the world or whatever my desire is at that moment, as if there's some sort of equals, and then come up with a choice that I think is right or expedient for me at that time? 
Well, and a lot of people fall into this arena and don't even really realize it. Um, we get a daily dose of the world's wisdom, but not necessarily from the Bible's wisdom. And so even if we say that we believe the Bible and we go to church on Sunday and we hear a sermon, we hear a lot more from the world, and that has an impact. It has a significant influence on us, even if we don't feel like it's there, but it nudges at us. And the more we get nudged by that influence of the world, the more it has an impact. So you really have to ask yourself, where am I getting more wisdom from? Do I watch more TV? Do I watch more social media? Do I hear more of the news than what I hear from God's word? Because that is what is directing your thought process. Yeah, the dog you feed is going to be the dog that, that's the strongest in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Philippians 4, 8 comes to mind. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's a principle that, if I hold it in my worldview, which I do, that, that's, that's what comes to my mind when I'm making the decision whether or not I fast forward through a scene when it's family movie night, whether we watch a particular movie, whether a particular conversation continues or how I spend my money, so on and so forth. Well, even if you're determining, should I be listening to this? Should I be watching this? Go back to that. Is there any virtue in it? Is there anything praiseworthy in what I'm watching and listening to? In most cases, no. (laughs) If the answer is no, then you shouldn't be watching it and your kids shouldn't be watching it. You shouldn't be having those things be be impacting your thoughts and your mind and your thought process. The good news is it's if you start to realize that that's you, if this is speaking to your heart right now and you're like, oh, wait a second, it's not too late. Like it can be reversed and there is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed myself going through this kind of gradual decline mentally a few years back. And I didn't even realize that I was bringing into my thought processes the thoughts of the world and that they were integrating with my biblical um, understanding uh, until you asked me to teach uh, the first camp that we ever did, which was based on truth. And I had heard so many times that, you know, it's your own personal truth. Um, you know, whatever will be, will be. It's just a lot of philosophies that were coming into my mind. I didn't even realize it until I started preparing the lessons on truth and absolute truth. And that there is an absolute truth. And all of a sudden it, it was shocking to me to see like, wow, I had really gotten away from belief in an absolute truth and pulling me back into God's word. Mm -hmm. And it is possible to be pulled back into God's word and to kind of break off those wrong philosophies and get back in the right path with the Lord. Yeah, worldview creation, you know, building this grid for decision making in us and in our children, it's it's not a one and done. It's, It's like a garden. You have to tend it. You have to keep planting good stuff and you have to be keep feeding your soul the truth. And uh, that applies to, like you said, the authority of God's word. It applies to issues of integrity. It applies to issues of stewardship. It applies to issues of loving your neighbor. And the list goes on and on and on. I mean, there are so many opportunities today for us to be in a place where we can model the wrong worldview for our kids and the and the decisions we make about how to respond to people who are different from us, people who disagree with us, um, whether or not we should buy one thing or another, um, go into debt for something that we really shouldn't, or, you know, maybe buying something that's more affordable. You know, our kids are asking why, or they're listening to the conversations between you and your spouse about how to do this. All this stuff, it's, it's a constant process of tending and planting and making sure that you're building the right things into you as a mom or a dad so that when that moment comes and you're doing something, not even realizing that they're looking at you, but they are, that you're showing them the right things. 
Well, and I think far too often we have the idea that um, what we're saying or doing doesn't really matter that much. Um, It doesn't really have notice to it. And we need to realize that when we make those tough decisions and we're standing on the Word of God, that it has a dramatic influence, not only on us, but on the people who are around us, primarily our kids, mm-hmm. but especially in areas of integrity. When we make those tough decisions, um, when we make the choice that we're not going to lie, but we're going to stand on, nope, this is true. And I know that there could be consequences for telling the truth, but I'd much rather be honest than than have Absolutely. to lose something that I want. Yeah. And if we had more time, we could tell some more stories about that. I want to take the last few minutes that we have by pointing out something that I think is very alarming. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation mm. on the air today. And that is if you know, this is based on years of being a pastor and also just a ton of research that has been done. But the, well, first of all, we know that the best worldview for us to have and to model for our kids for the decisions that we make is a biblical worldview. Because if we have a biblical worldview, then we believe, desire, and act in a way that is consistent with the way that God believes, desires, and act. But here's the problem. Most Christian parents today don't have a biblical worldview informing their decisions, and therefore they are not modeling the practical, real-life application of biblical truth for their children. I could bore you all day with stats. I'll just run a few by you. Only 5% of Gen X parents have a biblical worldview. Only 4% of millennial parents have a biblical worldview. And if you look to the youngest of the millennial parents, that number drops to 2%. If you look at only born-again Christians as a group, that number jumps up to 19%. And you think, wow, you know, that's an improvement. But that's still, that's an F, okay? okay. <laughs> 20% All the teachers in the room, right? And uh, and then you find out that the the research states that when when we are asked these questions, we find out that our worldview that we think is biblical is actually what you call syncretistic because we're infusing all these other worldly worldviews into our decision-making grid. And then we wonder why our kids get off on the wrong foot sometimes mm-hmm. because all this stuff is going on. Inside. I just remember I said it's like the nose on our face. We're not thinking about it every day, but it's there and it's operating and it's impacting all these little decisions and the big decisions that are going on in our household. And that's what's being modeled for our kids. So... When you look at that, it's like, oh, my gosh, most Christian parents don't have a biblical worldview embedded into their heart. Well, that means that they will not model godly decision-making for their kids. And if they don't model godly decision-making for their kids, then chances are greater than not that their kids won't use biblical truth to guide their decision-making process. And that's when they get hurt. That's what we want to avoid. Yeah. So having that basis of the Word of God has to be the forefront of your of your thought process so that you can teach it to your kids. Because if you don't know it, you can't teach it to them. You want them to make good decisions. But if you don't have that structure for them, then you can't teach it to them. Mm -hmm. You look like you're thinking about something over there, Amy. (laughs) Uh, I'm just thinking about how easy it is to get confused by all of this and um, how much we need to be in God's word so that we keep our thoughts aligned where they should be. Because having been there and kind of gone down that slippery slope in the past, the way I got out of it was to fall in love with God's word, to to just tell God. And I had a very honest conversation with him one day. I said, I don't love your word. And he helped me with that to fall in love with his word because that's what he wants. His word is life. It's everything for us. And once we love his word, it changes who we are on the inside and it changes how we see the world. 
so that our worldview now is more in alignment with God. And every day we spend in prayer, every day we spend in his word aligns us more and more and more with him. And all of a sudden we see him working. We see blessings. We see um, him using us in other people's lives. It's amazing what he starts to do when we start to be aligned with him and what his word says is truth. So if you had this experience and you came away from it going, okay, God, I know I need to be in your word more. So just, I'm going to read it more. If you had left it with that, what would have been the result? Um, I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't enjoy reading his words. So God told me, why don't you try writing it? And that's what changed everything for me was writing it out. Um, because I, I would fall asleep reading it, but when I was <laughs> writing it, you couldn't fall asleep. And then all of a sudden I just started with one verse a day, but within days it grew to chapters and, I've written most of the New Testament now in the last couple of years, and it's amazing when you're writing it out how different you start to see it and and uh, filter it through because you can start writing it, like drawing lines and circling things and writing your notes, and all of a sudden you're engaging with God's Word. Mm-hmm. If all you had done was say, I'm going to read more, okay, God, I'm going to read more, help me to read more, you probably would have walked away with maybe a more legalistic mindset, maybe a more stringent, I have to, I have to, but not deep love. And God wants us to love His Word. So ask Him, God, I want to fall in love with you, and allow Him to lead you in that process. He's big enough for us to be honest with Him. Yeah, that's great closing advice, you guys. You have been listening to Unshakable Faith, a ministry of Legacy Family Ministries. We rely on ministry partners who join with us financially so we can produce quality resources and offer them to free for parents just like you. If you want to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 602-878-7814. That's 602-TRUST14. And remember, at Legacy... You can be a pro at raising kids with unshakable faith.